The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. All right, so this is the Public Market Advisory Commission meeting, and it is November 17th, and it's 5.02. So, Stephanie, can you call us to order? 5.32. I'm sorry. We are called to (laughs) order. a long day. (laughs) All right, you're most of the way there. All right, so, um, yes, I will do the roll call. So, Commissioner Young. Here. Commissioner Wolf. Here. Commissioner Willette. We see that you are here. <laughs> and the Commissioner Farrell. Here. Sorry, here. <laughs> My okay, great. I got it to work. Okay, good. So we have everyone except for Nemeth with us right now. All right. All right, so the next item on the agenda is uh, the approval of the agenda for this week. Could I get a motion to, does anybody have any additions or anything like that to it? Okay, could I get a motion to approve the agenda then? I move to approve. And a second? Second. Thanks. All in favor, raise your hand or say aye. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> okay, the agenda is approved. So now we move on to the first public comment. All right. Is there any member of the public that would like to give us some commentary in the first public comment? If so, um, please raise your hand and I will allow you to talk. I do see a hand raised and I am allowing them to talk right now. All right. Go ahead. If you want to un- unmute yourself, you can go ahead. Oh, there you go. Hello. 
Okay. There's delay in what is it? This is Bruce Upson, a market vendor. Um, had a comment that there are two items on here supposedly for final approval of rule changes. And while I know that there's been discussion on these things, it seems like they should be published in some way so that uh, the vendors actually know what is being proposed for the final uh, for uh, changes to the rules that they're going to be living under. And uh, I haven't really, I'm, I haven't seen anything to, to indicate that they've come out. And so I'm, I'm concerned that, you know, we're, we're not getting good communication here that uh, uh, I, I know it's, it's hard to get a lot of people don't, uh, you know, know anything even about the market commission and that but it seems like when there's rule changes like that that it uh it should be published before it becomes goes to a meeting for a final draft when nobody's ever seen it so i that's basically my concern there thanks bruce Is there anyone else that would like to give some commentary? All right, that is the only one I am seeing for right now. All right, so then the next item is the approval of the minutes from the previous meeting. Are there any changes, additions, anything like that from the October minutes from our meeting? Okay, great. Uh, could I have a motion to approve? I move to approve. And could I have a second? <laughs> That's Eric's <laughs> raising his hand, so we'll have that as the second. Um, Good. Everybody that approves the October, uh, the minutes from the October meeting, uh, please raise your hand or say aye. Aye. Um, hey guys, sorry to interrupt. Uh, yeah. Jeff Nemeth just called me and said he is trying to get on, but he is having trouble. Um, so he's going to keep trying, uh, but he's also wondering if Stephanie could resend him the link and maybe his is not working for some reason, but he is trying to join us. Yep. I can go ahead and resend that right now. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks, Stephanie's. Give me one moment. I think it's not letting me resend it because um, it's currently happening, but actually, no, never mind. Here it is. All right, I did resend it just now. So hopefully that one works. Okay. 
All right. In the meantime, uh, Stephanie, do you want to give us the updates on the regular business, the um, facility and staffing updates? So as you all can see, Alex is present. Alex is back. Um, He completed his two months uh, time off, although he wasn't too far away. He was working at Ratterman Bread. So he was still there on market days, although not in the office side of things. We were very excited to have him back and be back to um, full staffing, at least for the time being. Um, And I think in addition to that, this is sort of a fluid with the volunteers piece as well. We've had a lot of really great volunteers and staff from other sites filling in um, on those two months when he was gone. Special shout out to the Ann Arbor Senior Center uh, for letting us borrow a bunch of their staff throughout and then also helping us fill in um, for any holiday staffing needs that we were going to have when people take vacations. So short and sweet on those two items. Will you be able to use volunteers on a regular basis or only when you have holes in the staffing? Um, it really depends. I mean, this time of year, there's really not all that much um, extra stuff. We do have a regular volunteer who comes every other week for about an hour or so. Um, Gina Lynn Potteron, she is great. It's been super helpful. But, you know, once we get back into the warm weather and special events, uh, sure. Um, it's just that, you know, we haven't really had all that much uh, requests for it, A, and then B, you know, as we're slowing down, um, all of the extra tasks needs to fill staff hours. But, you know, next spring, for sure, we can use people always. And that's the same thing, too, if I mentioned the holiday staff vacations coming up. Um, Macy and myself will be off for the Thanksgiving markets, both next Wednesday and next Saturday. Um, but Alex will be there holding down the fort and we're having another uh, senior center person coming in on Saturday. Um, and then in December, we will be open again on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Uh, and both Alex and I will be there. Uh, and Macy will be actually on vacation. Uh, she's taking a special trip to France. So we're all very jealous um, <laughs> and we will miss her. But uh, we might also reach out again to additional people. But I think the two of us will probably be plenty um, for those December markets. And then back in January, we will all be present starting when our new hours, our winter hours start, uh, which is January 7th, starting at 8 a.m. as opposed to 7. And I believe that is all I have for those agenda items. Great. So um, then the next question. Updates on the events. Um, So we did have a great trick or treat event on the last Wednesday of October. I know I've received some questions from vendors as like, why did we do it on that day? Why wasn't it a Saturday? Um, And the main logic to that is that is when Give 365 had people available. Um, And from our perspective, it actually was great because we had a bunch of school groups come through um, and we might have actually probably tapped into more um, kids than we would have necessarily on a Saturday. Plus, Saturday, late October markets are still very, very full. Um, So this time, because it was Wednesday, we actually had a space um, to have extra. There was like a little putting green out there. There was a stick a sticker on a pumpkin 
activities. We encouraged costumes. There was a candy station throughout the market. Um, so that worked really well. I'm not sure if next year we'll go back to Saturday or not. We, of course, encouraged vendors um, to have costumes and give out their own candy on the Saturday. But the designated event, which we had volunteers staff it, um, was that Wednesday. And, you know, it was a little, the weather was a little strange. Um, but it ended up being really good regardless of the sort of rain uh, mist that we experienced. Um, but not sure about next year, but I did get a few uh, vendors mentioned that they would have wanted to participate on a Saturday, but that just was not feasible um, for this year. So let's see. Sorry, I did just get an email from Jeff. Still trying to get in. All right, let's see if this works. Um, but, you know, that was a successful event, even though it was sort of a last minute thing and we were reliant on when uh, Give365 had volunteers and uh, staff bodies available. And then uh, it also talks about food trucks. Did I, you cover that mostly last time, right? Um, that was mostly the rallies. This was specifically uh, about the food trucks on market okay. days. Um, so we have had two food trucks that have been doing really well for us. One is the taco truck, um, which has been coming since the end of October. They are interested in coming every Saturday until they pretty much don't want to anymore or we get too full, uh, which usually happens uh, sometime in May or late May is when we become too full again on Saturdays for trucks. So we're very excited. Um, it's El Mariachi Loco. They have got really great tacos, tortas, burritos, other items. Um, and, you know, they're very good to work with. We first encountered them this year. Um, I pretty much bumped into them at another event, uh, invited them to come to the food truck rallies. And that's worked out so well that they're coming every Saturday now. Um, Last Saturday was sort of a special situation in which we were double booked on food trucks. We had Fork and Nigeria food truck as well as the taco truck, uh, even though the weather was a little bit, again, strange. It's that in-between time, a little bit snowy. Um, and then on Wednesdays, we've been having the Vigano Italiano, um, which is a vegan Italian food truck come. And they're going to be coming on Wednesdays as well um, through the end of the Wednesday market, which ends on December 21st for the year. And I believe Jeff has finally joined us. So hooray. It was a little bit technology doesn't always work out. So glad you could make it. All right. I'm just going to make a note of this. Um, and yeah, in terms of plans for food trucks moving forward, you know, at this point, the reason that we picked these two is that they were the ones that approached us and were interested. And again, obviously everyone loves a taco truck. I'm not going to lie. Um, the vegan one, it's a little bit more of a tough sell, obviously, because it's a very niche um, food. Uh, and also Detroit street filling stations right across the street. So there's a plethora of vegan options um, during the day. But I, as far as I know, they have a following that they say they have people that find them every time. So they seem happy about it. Um, so that's sort of the status of our market day food truck um, for the rest of the year and until question mark. 
It'd be lovely if they could come uh, for the the January and February markets, because I think that would really draw people to the market during a time when um, the attendance is usually low. Yep. You know, the taco truck, they said, you know, they're nice and warm inside of there. So it's really just an event if uh, customers and vendors want to stand around uh, and wait. But, you know, they're relatively quick as well. So. And who knows, maybe one of these days when the bar's restaurant is is back open, we could also have a cross-marketing thing there when that day comes. So no pressure. <laughs> All self-inflicted pressure. Right. <laughs> and that is all I have about food trucks on market days. And then the holiday markets. Yes. So Alex and I have been talking about this this week um, in terms of since it's the first time in a while that we're having a Christmas Eve market again. Last year, it was the market fell on Christmas and New Year, so we didn't have a market for two weeks. Um, But we've been getting a lot of questions about this year. So we're, you know, getting together some of the details for what a Christmas Eve market could look like. Um, We had a brass band that did approach us that we thought could be maybe interesting because I know we've had that sort of thing in the past um, for holidays. I know we've floated the idea of like trying to get the chestnut people back, um, but I'm not sure, you know, what the status is. And that's the Michigan Chestnut Growers Association um, to have something like that. So we're, we're in the early stages of figuring that out. Um, there's also been a lot of questions about next Wednesday's market, the market before Thanksgiving. It will be more well attended than you know usual Wednesday this time of year, but we're not really sure if, and also at this point, don't really have time to kind of just throw together a special event beyond just regular marketing. Um, you know, on Saturday, telling people about it, social media, um, stuff like that. But we're pretty much focusing our attentions on that Christmas Eve market um, because we've getting we've been getting a lot of inquiries um, about it already. Um, I should also probably mention it's not so much us, but we've been getting mountains of questions about Kindle Fest. Um, again, not an event that we host, um, but it's an event that is at the market. Um, and this year, not sure if you all have, have heard, but it's going to be really different. It's going to be more of an atmospheric event is how I would describe how it's been described to me. Um, there's going to be live music. There's going to be food trucks, kids activities. Um beer and wine tent, but it's not going to have the vendors that people are used to. And that's being um, <clears throat> swapped out by just having all of the Carytown businesses open late. Um, but the asterisk there is the city is embarking on a brand new holiday gift market, which I think they're just calling the holiday gift market. Um, and that's going to be at Liberty Plaza. So that will be the same day and time as the Kindle Fest event in Carytown. So December 2nd, 5 to 9, I think, is the um, parameters on that. And I know that that event's going to have 30 vendors. Most of them are vendors from the artisan market, although there are a few that are our farmer's market artisans as well um, that will be in Liberty Plaza uh, for that. And again, of course, Main Street, their businesses will be open late for the Moonlight Madness. Uh, event as well. So again, not technically us, but it does include our vendors and our space. Um, So I figured it was worth uh, mentioning. 
Great. Uh, Stephanie, if you want to, um, I'd be happy to chat too about what we did last time for the, in the past for some Christmas stuff as well. Um, yeah. So you might have it in notes, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think we had like some marshmallow roasting or hot chocolate or something. So yeah, definitely we can yeah, talk that more. Would, that would be super helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Uh, the next item is the construction updates. All right. So hopefully people have noticed, perhaps we haven't been down there, um, but the Catherine Street is complete. Got an email today that not only is the road open as it's been for a couple of weeks, but the bike lane, brand new bike lane is now also open um, going on that stretch of Catherine between Division and Main. Um, so, so that's exciting. That's over. Um, obviously it did go on a little longer, um, than what, uh, we had been told, but of course there was a broken water main on fourth. Um, so that was the big hold up on our side of things. Um, I wanted to appreciate, you know, all the vendors that helped navigate that. Cause I know that was sort of difficult because it was very hard to get from the Detroit street side of the market to the other market lot and also to the courthouse lot. So that took a lot of finagling and we know um, that we heard at least from some customers that they were pretty frustrated. It was hard for them to get down there um, during that, but you know, now it is over and it's as if it never happened. So we're on the other side of it now, um, just in time for the cold weather. So, so there you have it. And 330 Detroit street. Yeah, so I keep looking over there, expecting every day to come and the, the, the ground to be broken already. Um, but they haven't they haven't started yet. As far as I know, the last I heard, it was going to be sometime in November. Um, but with the holiday coming up next week, I'm not sure um, if that's actually correct. I haven't received any additional updates from the development team. Um, all I do know is that they did put up their little signboard with the mock-up of what the building will look like. Um, that's the only signal that we've got that, you know, construction is imminent. Um, with that said, we're kind of hoping in a way that it does start in the winter time when we don't have Wednesday market, when our impact will be pretty minimal because they're not going to be doing any construction on Saturdays. Um, but it's sort of at a wait and see uh, at this point. That's all that I know. Okay, great. Um, this is a little off topic, but I was wondering if you had had any luck talking to Community High about getting the wording changed about on the parking signs. No. No, I mean, the closest we got is my supervisor, Josh, reached out to whoever is in charge of it. And they pretty much just said that the police are no longer monitoring it whatsoever. It's just Community High now. Um, but beyond that, you know, I don't really have a point of contact or anything um, because it's the school now. It's no longer um, KDA oversight. So, yeah, we've tried, but it sort of hit a, a dead end on that. So does that imply that the school could take the signs down? I mean, I don't know why they would, because it's a Monday through Saturday thing. It's specifically the, the question Stephanie's bringing up is the sign say Monday through Saturday, no parking. Right. When it's in reality, probably Monday through Friday, 
And I think it just was going based on what the meters had previously said, that they just took the meters out, replaced it with a sign with the same language, and then took away any of the enforcement is as far as I know. We've been trying to track them down and talk about this for months. The closest I was able to get uh, was uh, what I just told you that Josh was able to find out. But as of right now, I still don't have a contact person who's in charge of that. So, but you're saying it's now, it's in the city, in the department, the school school part is there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer city at all anymore. Uh, yeah. So AAPS in that way. Is Correct. It? Yep. Yeah, and again, I'm still not, I'm not even sure within that milieu who is the person. Because it could be worth the ping to Superintendent Swift. Is that who the, I mean, this AAPS, um, they're just to actually ping them to yeah. address this problem. Because they, they might, mm-hmm. they should be able to have people in their office at least to redirect to somewhere that's relevant. I mean, it seems like this is not mm-hmm. something they they never deal with they obviously have some sure. some means for that but it seems like reaching out to them explicitly would probably be that would be worthwhile by at least getting an ask in there yeah and that's what i think that josh did try to do and that's all the information he was able to get so i don't know if he was able to get any more actionable items um in process at all but yes we can still find that out somehow maybe Hopefully, but I as I know, I, you know, people have been parking there. Vendors have been parking there, no problem. Uh, it's just a question of the sign confusing customers. So, and you've been encouraging vendors to park over there. I haven't been, not necessarily. I mean, what had happened was because of the construction disaster, meaning that people could not get from load in to parking. A lot of people were just parking there instead, and they were fine, as far as I know. Even when we tried to give people alternative routes to get in, especially during the Artoberfest weekend, um, which that you know that's a whole other thing. Where the other parking lot was pretty much not accessible simply because of the turn radius, um, with all the tents there and with Fourth and Catherine intersection being closed. But no, we are not telling people to park there because, again, we don't want to tell them something that's not correct. Even with all of the assurances we've been given, right, it's not our jurisdiction. So, But people have parked there historically for a really long time, right? I, and they just relied on it a little bit more when the construction was ongoing. Okay. I may have that contact information for head of school there. Would that be uh, appropriate? I don't know. I, I mean, if they have the oversight, I don't see why not. I'm just not sure, you know, who the correct person even is in their bureaucracy to talk about these things. Okay. Because uh, it's a new thing, right? It's new to them during the pandemic as part of their construction project. So it might even be, you know, somebody who's involved in the construction of community that might know. Okie doke. Um, are we on to the rule changes now for the update? Any rule changes? I think we are. I believe so. Okay. So the first thing on there is to get a report from the um, producer-only special committee. 
Um, hi, I guess that's me. Yep. Um, <laughs> not, um, actually not much to report. We have not held a meeting or anything. We have um, talked to a number of vendors and there are definitely some that are interested in joining the conversation. And when we do finally have a meeting, um, have said they would like to attend. So it's definitely a topic that I think people want to have input on. Um, I think what would be helpful uh, today right now would be, I think one question I have is um, if anyone knows what the rules are uh, surrounding special committee meetings, like, um, you know, does the city record it just like they would our meeting, how far ahead of time does it need to be publicly published? Do any of those apply? Um, no. And no? Mm -mm. Okay. Mm -mm. All right. So it's, and then another question I had was do we need a quorum of any sort of representatives from this group? I don't think so. I think you can just pretty much create the parameters of because in mm -hmm. essence, it's a subcommittee that reports back to the regular committee. So okay. anything that you would have been talking about gets reported out and that's what gets um, recorded. So I don't think that there's anything official of okay. that nature unless you want to create it. Okay, that makes it easier. That's great. Um, so then I think my goal would be... Um, to probably set, just like set a date and maybe create a Zoom webinar um, to hold a, a discussion before next meeting, hopefully. Um, and maybe if Stephanie, you can help us get the word out once we do have a time and date set to vendors, that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. Sure. Stephanie Willett, I just want to read you the section from the, the market bylaws on the special committees. And I didn't have time to check to see if the city requirements have anything, but it says this is on article seven under meetings, uh, section two. And it says special meetings may be called by the chair or by written um, uh in writing by the majority of the members currently serving on the commission. We've already done that part last meeting um, where we created the committee. Um, and it says notice to the staff and all uh, commissioners shall be provided at least 24 hours in advance. Public notice of the special meeting shall be posted at least 18 hours prior. Um, and these are special meetings. So I guess that's not a special committee. No, um, that's not the same as a subcommittee. Yeah, so let's, uh, that was the only thing that I was that seeing. If we wanted to do like an additional meeting to discuss producer-only rules before a vote, that would okay. be sort of that. Okay. I don't so. think in my history here, we've actually ever done a subcommittee. So this is, this is, this is new territory. <laughs> <laughs> but a useful thing. I think actually something just from our organization, I think yeah. that does to delegate out some of the work and get that some of that done but the thing is too just making sure we don't run afoul of open meetings act um by essentially having it be like a closed door thing we don't that's not the intention so well i know the green belt all subcommittees is sort of like a separate thing right a lot of times they'll do it with like 
the committee to try and recruit other members or, you know, things like that. And that's not needed for the open meeting as long as there's a report out um, to the broader group. There's no requirement for that. All righty. Um, and so, uh, uh, Stephanie, well, you're just thinking of doing them on Zoom then. Um. Um, yes, I think it's the format we've been using, and it seems like most people have access to Zoom. So it seems like, and, and I mean, I'll probably try and get a better idea what those who are interested in participating feel comfortable using, but right now I think that Zoom makes the most sense. And then uh, we'll use the market Zoom webinar. Um, I hadn't thought that far ahead. Okay. Um, maybe I'll just uh, get with Stephanie later and we'll figure out what makes the most sense. Yeah, that's right. really easy. I could just make you an alternative host and we can just have a separate meeting for that scheduled. As far as I know. Great, thank you. Um, next item is the transfer of seniority process. Oh, you, uh, we're, we're, we're jumping ahead. We're not done with oh. the producer only. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I actually invited Alex to come talk about his perspective as a inspector and also as market staff, two different hats, two different perspectives in one person. Because um, I figured, you know, that was what folks had asked about before. Plus, I know Alex has a lot of uh, stuff to say about this, given his experience um, and overall. So go ahead, Alex. Okay, sure. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. As you may know, um, I've been taking on some uh, inspections. And uh, I guess maybe at this point, the subcommittee hasn't met yet and everything. We don't have to get super bogged down in details. So I'll try to be brief. Um, but I've been reviewing this draft from the producer only language from back in 2020, I think was discussed at the last meeting, which I uh, read the minutes of. And um, just, yeah, maybe from an inspector perspective, I can shed some light um, on this conversation. And I think one thing that might be helpful would be for everybody to review our current uh, vendor inspection report form. It looks like this, it's many pages long. And, you know, maybe we can send that out to everybody. And which is not to say that um, it isn't in couldn't isn't in need of updating or that like our whole inspection process couldn't be improved because I think certainly um, it can be. Um, but that looking at what we're already doing may um, you know ease some minds or address some of the concerns that I see uh, outlined in this draft. Um, uh, you know, so like for example, um, land ownership and lease information um, is something that we already require in our application. Our application too is very extensive. And, you know, we cross-reference the inspection report to the application. As an inspector, I print out the vendor's application and product list. And so while I'm there, you know, one of the things I'm checking for is, does the property information that I'm observing 
match what we have on file. And, you know, same thing with the, with the product list and, you know, admit it. And then I have the producer run me through the whole process. Uh, and that this is actually like in our vendor inspection report form too. There's like questions that give me a place to start and everything like that. So, you know, show me how you um, get this product, this tomato from seed to market, you know, or show me how you make this soap from raw ingredients to soap bar. Um, and through that process, granted, you know, I do have a smaller sample size. Um, it's pretty clear to me whether or not the producer is growing, making, or adding value um, to the product. So while I do, you know, I understand the desire for further specificity, um, but I can see that with each um, you know, each added detail might open a whole new can of worms um, or like, you know, each line of clarification uh, maybe requires its own caveat in some cases, at least. Uh, like, for example, equipment ownership, um, like, you know, in the case of if I borrow my neighbor's tractor implement or something like that, or, you know, I've inspected uh uh, a bakery that operates out of an incubator kitchen and that baker doesn't own the ovens or the stand mixer, but he certainly buys the flour and all of the other ingredients and produces the bread. You know, there's no question about that. So, um, you know, and then also like maybe with the, the employee employer relationship, like I saw this language in here about no independent contractors or an independent contractors and an employee. And just like, I can see how that might get hairy from an inspector perspective of like how to enforce that. We're currently not like requiring legal documentation of employment. You know, we ask that the vendors put employee information, basic employee information for everybody that might be involved in the market on their application. But, you know, if the uh, farm laborer and the farmer work something out and it's a 1099 versus a W-4, we're, I don't know if that's our business or, you know, maybe it just gets a little hairy uh, there from the inspector perspective um, and the enforcement perspective. And I think there's a couple other bits, uh, amendments in this draft that could just be that, that, again, I like agree with the, I understand the reason for, but could just be like difficult to, to catch and enforce. So like, you know, like we don't want, we want, we don't want vendors at the market you know, buying a plant or an animal fully grown and like turning around selling it the next day. But at, at the point of inspection to find out like, how, how old is that chicken? How long have you had that chicken? And then do that for everything. You know, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm definitely like open to suggestions, but like, you know, you know, is the producer able to like pr produce all the, these receipts upon inspection and everything? birth certificates. I don't know, <laughs> but so, so yeah. So, uh, and then, yeah. So, and like, yeah. So and then with the, with the nursery too, like I see the suggestion about the inspector visiting the nursery twice in the year. And I think like, you know, in a perfect world um, and if we could do that, I could see how that might be good, you know, especially if it eases people's minds. Um, but I just want to point out that you know, we are, we're already over budget for inspections. We were over budget um, months ago, which is the reason that I've been taking on some of these inspections um, to begin with. And 
Um, you know, so, so I could, so, you know, but the, but the more extensive inspections, um, I could, you know, I could, I could see how we may be, um, restricted in that effort just by budget. Uh, and I think it's like, it's very fortunate too, that like I'm here now and I'm able to take on some of this extra work and that I have a background in growing and selling food. Um, but we might not always be so fortunate in the future. And yeah, Stephanie had to advocate just to expand the hours of my position. And currently like doing the inspections isn't part of the position description. Um, so, I mean, that brings up a whole other, you know, issue. Um, but we are limited somewhat uh, in our ability to, to do these inspections. So the, it might not be feasible to go visit a nursery twice in a year. They're already being, being inspected too by, um, you know, the Department of Agriculture and stuff like that. Um, so anyway, so, you know, so far, um, you know, so far I haven't counted, encountered any red flags, but again, you know, I, ha I haven't done a ton of inspections yet. Most of the inspections I've been doing have been um, artisans or uh, value added producers. Um, and so I know I saw there were some like, there were some questions in here about where some of these types of producers fit into the producer only like a soap maker. And in my experience, it's actually easier to uh, determine the producer only status of artisans and value added people. It's like, did you make the thing? Uh, <laughs> show me how you make the thing, you know? Uh, and the farms that I've inspected have all passed, um, you know, with flying collars. Um, and I was able to, you know, bring the product sheet and they were, you know, they showed me, oh, this crop failed. And I could like make a note of that or like, oh, I added this crop this year and there's the hundred foot bed of it, you know. Um, so, and then lastly, I did want to point out, you know, that the last time a farm was accused of reselling, we did a surprise inspection and they passed the inspection. And the last time that an inspector failed an inspection, which I think it, in our records was like in 2011, that vendor was uh, kicked out of the market. Um, so certainly there are shortcomings to the inspection process and there are improvements that could be made. And maybe some of this language too, or these things can just like go into the inspection report form as opposed to like an official rule change. Um, but, um, you know, and I'm happy to work with the subcommittee when it meets um, to, you know, answer any questions, take suggestions, address hopefully any concerns. So, so there's that. And then, you know, taking off my inspector hat and putting on my farmer market staff and Ann Arbor resident hat, um, you know, it, it pains me to hear that there's low morale about, you know, with the perception that there are vendors that are breaking these rules um, and, you know, but, but I do think that, you know, the vast majority, 90 plus percent of our vendors are following these producer guidelines uh, to the T and the vendors that may be operating in the gray areas are, you know, they're, they're honest and hardworking people they're run local businesses, they offer unique products. 
and they are, I think, trying to make a living and not trying to cheat or screw over. And if we do, you know, have some bad actors, they haven't been caught yet. And, uh, you know, but, um, you know, and I do agree to uh, that some of the language is needlessly all bite, unintentionally exclusionary when it comes to ownership of land and uh, equipment. Um, because, you know, people are operating out of incubator situations, people are borrowing equipment, and I don't think that that should bar them from uh, selling it in our farmer's market. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Alex. That was super helpful. Did anyone have any commentary, questions, responses? Um, I have a quick follow-up. Alex, that was super helpful. Again, thank you. Um, I think a lot about, you know, making this a valuable conversation, what we're going to be able to get out of it is going to be um, how we structure the, um, just how we're asking for comments and what we really focus on at the meeting. And so maybe it would make sense, um, you know, before calling it to talk about how are we going to moderate this, especially because I think feelings can um, get intense around some of the subjects and um, really like, you know, the foremost question is like, what are we wanting to get out of this meeting? And so, you know, really looking at how to talk about it will be important. So maybe, um, you know, it sounds like you have a lot of thoughts on it. And of course, Stephanie does like going over that agenda ahead of time. I mean, I, I'd love to have input on it. And I'm not sure who will be who wants to lead that conversation like when we actually have it. But um, that would be super helpful, I think. Um, so, yeah, that's all I had. So actually, that raises a question for me about we created the subcommittee last time, and then Stephanie and Jeff were going to recruit producers, but who will be making the agenda um, and, and you know, running the meeting and things like that, just so we know logistically who's responsible for those things? Well, I think it has to be the producer representatives. That makes the most sense to me. Meaning Stephanie or meaning? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm definitely happy to do that, especially because I have an interest in this. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'll get with you guys when I'm making the agenda and make sure to incorporate Alex's and Stephanie's thoughts as well. Great, thank you. All right, are we ready to move on? I believe so. All right. So next, we actually have the the rule changes, um, which are the transfer of seniority process. So Stephanie, do you want to just um, briefly summarize um, the the sections of the changes? Yep. I'm not sure if people saw the draft or not. I could share my screen if that would be helpful. Let's see. Um, and this is the one with the highlighted area. So the things that are in yellow are the language that we're changing. 
Um, and again, you know, this is very, very minor alterations of the language. If anything, it's just numerical alterations in six places. Um, the first one has to do with annual artisans. Um, let's, sorry, let's do the seniority one first, since I think that's okay. a lot simpler. I just had it in reverse on my document. So let's see if I can scroll on down. So this one is about the transfer of seniority um, uh, to be updated. The only changes we're making here is we're adding on 30 days to the time frame that people get to submit their transfer seniority application. So previously, um, if a vendor passes away, it was at 60 days that they had to complete and submit a transfer of seniority application. We have changed that to 90 days. And with a vendor retiring, as well as a vendor um, selling their business, now there is a, a 60 day as opposed to the previous 30 day um, turnaround that they would be able to submit the application to do so. Again, this was to alleviate some bereavement issues that come with the death of a vendor, as well as all of the intricacies that come from retirement and sell, selling a business where there's all sorts of other things um, that I thought that 30, 30 days was somewhat of a difficult ask. Um, so we just expanded it to make it easier for people um, to navigate the complexities that happen after these events uh, while also maintaining their seniority status. Nothing else in the language uh, will change at this time. Right. The one other thing that I was wondering about that it looks like you figured was not necessary was saying that if there were extenuating circumstances to contact the market manager um, if the deadlines couldn't be met. So I believe that already says that um, okay. further down or at some point throughout. At least I remember seeing that previously. Or maybe it's not in this section. Maybe it's in the section directly following it. That I did not include in this document. Okay. So I think let's vote on this this section because I think this is going to be easier than, than others. And um, so um, I think what I'll do is... Um, uh, uh, Propose a motion that we um, vote on this transfer of seniority section for the operating rules. So I guess I need, Peter, do I need a first and second for that motion? Well, it depends too. Are we voting to discuss or are we voting to vote? Ah. Because so, normally I think the sequence would go, we, we first discuss and then if okay. we, then there might be a movement to actually a, a, an adoption movement, which would have a second and then a vote in that way. Perfect. Thank you. So are there any discussions on the transfer of seniority uh, to the change for the market rules? I need to chime in. It seems pretty, to me at least, seems fairly non-controversial. This seems like a pretty easy um, adjustment and it seems to make sense. And it doesn't seem like it's going to have, I can't foresee any major negative and potentially some fairly positive outcomes. So that seems like a good thing. Anybody else? Okay. So now <laughs> we will uh, 
uh, I'd like to, to vote on this issue. Could I get, uh, 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 well, I'd like to, <laughs> this is where I'm at my, I make the a language that we vote. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's have a motion to uh, vote on the seniority aspects of the, the market, the changes to the market rules. Could I have approval, uh, get the approval for that? So motion to approve uh, from Peter and probably need a second. I Grace. second, oh, Eric. Thank you. Um, all right, so I will call on the commission members and you can let me know if, if you vote um, yay, nay, or abstain. So uh, Commissioner Wolf. Yay. Yay. Commissioner Farrell. Yay. Commissioner Nemeth. Yes. Uh, Commissioner Willette. Yes. And I will also vote yes. So we have unanimous approval on the change to the seniority of the market rules. So great. All right. So let's do the, the, the artisan vendor. All right. Let me cue back up my screen so that we can view along. All right. So this is the one we've talked about the last two to three to four meetings. Um, and this is specifically the element here about um, allowing current annual status artisans who pay for two stalls to be able to be assigned those two stalls. So uh, subsection B, the only change there is it used to say one stall annually. Now it says two stalls annually. Uh, and then Letter C, that was, <clears throat> excuse me, that was updated to include those specific vendors who are annual artisans that already pay for two stalls. Um, that would be allowing them to have that within the 13 vendor footprint um, that the previous exception uh, had created. So it's 18 total stalls because there's five vendors that have and utilize and pay for two stalls who are annual artisan status. And there are, excuse me, eight that only use one stall um, for that. And the other change too, um, which Peter mentioned in his email is to recall that there's actually only 142 stalls in the market, not 144, like it said before. One of those got taken um, when the walkway was expanded after the picnic area, 5th Detroit Street Nexus redesign. Um, and then the other one is stall 111, which is a spar stall, which is sort of a ghost stall because it's somewhat out of the market um, in onto the sidewalk, but of course not the sidewalk area that blocks walkway, um, the part that's really literally adjacent um, to the vendor's other stalls. So that's another reason why that changed um, for the overall numbers. Okay, so but that's it. Nothing else in the language is changing. Um, so I guess um, questions, discussion, uh, now that we're actually seeing the wording of this. I'm from my, the one thing that's still, and I'm just worried that there's one, the, the little puzzle that we're setting our, some future committee up for dealing with is that the, the 18, the, specifying the number of stalls and then having the 
number of vendors that we have. If we have 13 artisan vendors and they all wanted two stalls by right by section C or B, then they could have 26, but then they wouldn't have 18. I don't know how we resolve that. Is there is there already a mechanism for that I'm just not seeing, or is there is there not a mechanism for that? I mean, the resolution we had had was keeping the cap at 13, right? And then locking in pretty much everyone who has it now at that. And then we had talked about revisiting. Um, but truthfully, I really do think the only you know solution numerically would be to get rid of the numbers completely because it's making it a lot more difficult for us in the future. That's one option. Another option is to just you know merge the lists and not have any of this, right? A third option would be to maintain the two stall maximum um, for artisans and then just sort of figure it out by seniority as things are available. Um, but, you know, part of this was we did talk to all the artisans and those eight that currently use one stall have told us that they have no interest in ever having a second stall. Um, so I really do think the question then becomes, you know, for the future, um, when there are new people getting their annual artisan status. Um, but, you know, with that said, it could be the same thing as before. If, you know, you can only have one stall until another one comes available, right? And we can just sort of work it out like it had um, done previously. Um, but so the way I look at this is sort of like the temporary um, stopgap compromise so that we could make sure that everyone that pays for and uses two stalls who's an annual artisan um, can do so immediately and then sort of figure out the other broader, almost philosophical questions um, later. So I don't know, there's not a definitive answer, I guess is the answer. And I guess the question would come for the same thing with the producers too, in terms of if we have, if all the producers, I don't know, can they have a maximum of three stalls? I don't remember what is it. If they all, if everyone decided they tomorrow wanted, or next year wanted three stalls, then how would you deal with that? Because I assume not everyone could have three stalls. So what's it's the mechanism question is the same. And so I just that's where I I don't know the yeah. rules well enough to know how these things yep. are resolved. Yeah, so it's based on seniority. So pretty much when we do the stall reassignment, um, it starts at one permanent stall, right? And then you can get your second permanent stall. And then over time, as it becomes available, you get three. So we had a few of our more, you know, newer farms this year that did get their third stall. Um, you know, Brian's, well, Brian's farm, uh, Green Things Farm got their third, or maybe that was last year, Sealy Farm. Um, but that was just a process of only as it comes available, are you allowed to assign yourself to your um, second stall or third stall? So again, that would be constrained on, are you even becoming a vendor with seniority or not? Because we can always just not promote them if there's not space available. Um, for what they need or again it's just it's one per one so in that case if that, that same protocol worked for the artisans that would seem yes. like so that so that that helps to explain i don't know if that's written in there or if that's yeah. how that so that so we could theoretically have 18 artisans if they all had one installer we'd have nine if they all had two theoretically and that's just based on seniority and how things shake yes. out in 10 years 20 years from now that those are both possible scenarios in this at, at the extremes and probably be somewhere. Between. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. If we want to keep this cap, we can, and then we'll just work it out like we do normally um, through, you know, people gaining their seniority or not. Or we can decide to, you know, change the ratio or, or whatever. I'm not sure. Um, so then the answer to the question, too, is if there are 13 vendors, they all wanted to, they couldn't. <laughs> it would be, yeah. more it would be based on seniority and availability. Yep. There would only be 18. And that's, that's, the, that's the answer because that's what's in rule yep. C. And that's the thing. Like, that's why we made sure we talked with every vendor um, that already has their seniority who's an annual artisan, confirmed with them that they don't need a second stall. And many of them even like balked at the idea. They were like, that's too expensive. I don't ever want to think about that. I'm not interested at all. Um, you know, it wasn't even a, oh, if it's available, maybe it was a absolutely not, we're not interested answer. So, but you know, you're right in the future, if we kept that cap, that would mean that's the amount of permanent stalls. And that might lead to another situation again, where we have somebody who on a day-to-day -day is using two stalls, but they only have a single stall uh, assigned. So if that were to happen, we really are just postponing the inevitable uh, of coming to this conversation again. Um, Stephanie, in, would you envision that it works just like with the producers? So if there is one artisan space that becomes available, it first goes to a new artisan before being offered to, as a second stall to an existing annual artisan? Yeah, I think like after all of these people that have been waiting for their second have gotten through, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sort of resets. Okay. Yeah. In my mind, I guess when we talked about it before, I was thinking it was going to be artisans are allowed to take up to two annual stalls. And then we're capping the number of like artisans not stall number, but like number of annual artisans at 12 or 13. That's what I remember too. Well, yeah, but this was what it was already written in here as like the 13 thing was actually not in these rules or in the previous rules. So it just had the number, right? It was just written like here, I'll go, I'll go up so you can see what I'm talking about. Um, See, right, it had here that C was like shall be 12 and the total number. So it actually was written that way before. So I used the exact same template that it was already stated as um, and kept it with that 13, given the fact that we got five new people that were already paying for and using for two stalls. Right. So that is what we talked about. And then that was why the question was sort of like, do we leave this? We're going to have to probably just come back to it again, right? This is just another form of the compromise based on the 13 um, number that was previous. So, so I, have a, yeah. I have a question. So basically, basically the brass tacks of the whole thing is it looks like we're taking six stalls that normally would be up in the air for, for, uh, for producers or, or for farmers um, and we are adopting them for use for craft vendors. Is that correct? I don't like the framing of taking because again, no, these no, are no, people no. that are already paying for these stalls. Yeah. That's not what um, I meant at all. I, I'm just know, trying to put it, I'm just trying to make so sure I I'm understanding. 
understanding. I just think that makes it confusing to think about it that way. And I think that's also like what leads to people being, okay. you know, getting so, confused so, about it. So we're um, moving, we're moving six stalls from that spot to the, to, for, to make for the craft people. I'm just, I just want to make sure I'm understanding it properly. Yes. What we're doing okay. to reiterate is there okay. are five yeah. artisans that yep. pay for two stalls who are annual status and they've never been allowed to actually own their second stall. Got it. So, so this I, would be to allow that to happen. Okay. So I think personally that it's very important that we leave the numbers. So basically all we're doing is we're changing the numbers. Yes. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. I, I just wanted to make sure. I think it's very important we leave the numbers, though, because that does leave everyone's fear because everyone does have the fear of it, you know, of of the market being overtaken by craft people. I don't think Why? it's going to happen personally, <laughs> but I'm just saying those numbers that would still protect that, even though yeah. it's not an issue. It just puts everyone's mind at ease. I just want to reiterate, and I said this in the email that all of these artisans in play have been at the market a minimum 28 years. Right. I, I, I was there with them. So I know, I know, I, I know, I know, I, you know, <laughs> but I don't understand where this fear is coming in because again, I let in one artisan since I've been here, Stephanie has let in two. So I don't, I just don't understand the, where the, that sentiment is coming from other so, than like people worrying that they're going to lose something that is not at stake for loss. I, I understand. I think that I just think it's important to leave the numbers there. And okay. I think I, no problem on my end with uh, with the changes. I just want to verify that. I'm yep. just I just wanted to make sure I understood what was going on. Sure. Yeah, no problem. And I understand. And I know that this is a long standing <clears throat> conversation where these fears are going on. And I think that's another reason why the other parts of the conversation were tied to maybe this is a broader conversation about capping the number that, you know, we're allowed to bring on at any given time, right? Or if there's not any spaces available, because as it is, as it stands right now, any artisan, I automatically refer them to the Sunday artisan market. You know, the only exceptions I make is if it's something that's like amazing, that we don't have at all, that's clearly within our demographic in terms of sourcing from local, utilizing farm products, um, and the other thing too we need to remember is some of these producers are also farmers. You know, they're people that don't have the right ratio of, of things. So for example, like Nancy Willoughby, right? She grows a bunch of her own flowers and things like this, but she's primarily uh, a potter, right? She works with ceramics. Um, so that's the other thing that I think we need to remember here is that we also have this other part of the ratio where it's like 51% if your stuff's 51%, you know, non-food, even if it's based off of you growing all the items, you still are an artisan. Um, so I just need to, you know, I just want to remind folks uh, that this is also part of this conversation. And I think, you know, from my understanding, um, you've probably heard this before, but these rules and that cap came out of a time when the market did have a lot more artisans in it than producers. And I think at some point, like that's why the Sunday artisan market was created because it split off. And then a lot of the artisans went to that market instead. And then people felt like 
well, we don't, that's not what we want the market to look like. We want it to be more producers on Saturday. And so like, kind of that's why the cap was put in place. And so I think that like a lot of the fear, not that the number 18 is (laughs) going to make um, there be, you know, a ton of artisans at market, but uh, I think the fear is coming from some of the vendors, at least that I've heard from who were there during that time um, when they were trying to resolve you know, change the way it looked at, at that point. I was never under the impression that there was actually more artisans ever than food producers. So maybe I didn't know that aspect of it. I know that there was some difficulties, you know, in the 80s and 90s of getting anyone um, to be a vendor. Um, but I think that's the other thing we need to remember is that I, I get nervous that we're going to turn people away or we're going to make people feel like they're not welcome because seriously, if the market's not a full market, regardless of what the products are, that's a negative impact on everyone because people come and they say, where'd everyone go? Right. We even see this on Wednesday market where people come and they say, where is everyone? So I worry that we make it so restrictive um, that we're going to make it so that when some of our farmers retire, which is going to be in the next five, 10 years, um, we're just going to, you know, we're just not going to have a robust market. And again, maybe that's part of the conversation later. If people want a fourth stall, maybe they can get, you know, whatever. I mean, I've even had people ask me, say, oh, well, the artisan's getting a second stall. Does that mean I get a fourth stall? And again, you know, I think it's just a situation that we've gone so long having this two tiers of basic citizenship within the market. Um, we're getting bogged down in how, how to get out of it. Right. And we're getting bogged down in, you know, numbers and this and the other thing. When in the email that I sent, right, these, the vast majority, 12 out of 13, these are women-owned businesses, right? These are businesses that have been at the market almost 30 years, over 30 years for some of them. So I get the fear, um, but I think the fear only comes because we have this two-tier system, right? Whereas no one wants to feel like they're that second tier and they know it's been happening to someone, so they're worried it's going to be them next. And I think that's really where I've been coming from for this whole time that I think, you know, this is like a stopgap. This is a compromise, but this is not a final solution. Um, And this does not fully address the issue, which is ongoing. But at the very foundation, if we have vendors at our market that do not feel valued, that's really where the morale is bad. It's not from somebody that's not like, sold one item that slipped through the cracks of our inspection system. It's not valuing people because we don't trust them. Right. And that's, and again, I don't know if this is off topic or not, but I think, you know, that's where a lot of the frustration I've heard from the artisans comes through. And some of the newer vendors, you know, they have no concept that any of these conversations are even going on at all. Um, So I think there's, yes, it sounds like there's obviously a lot of trauma from past decades and past whatever. Um, coming through, but but we need to move on, you know, and I think that by creating all of these restrictions, I do think that in the long term, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice, even though it might feel feel good in the short term. Um, because again, I look at the market and I see so many vendors that don't, that are farms without succession plans, right? I gave a, a presentation at a conference about CSAs um, last weekend. And, you know, I had to talk about, it's fantastic. We have all these multi-generational farms and all these things. 
and everyone thinks that we're just somehow not letting farms in, but people aren't applying. You know, we don't have more people that are quality food producers that we're turning away, right? I know I've heard people make comments like, it looks like a flea market. I don't know. I've never been to a flea market that looks like our farmer's market. You know, we're primarily food producers. And even with that said, how many of the artisans, again, are also farmers? They just happen to be potters. They happen to make, uh, I don't know, cards on the side. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this other than I feel like it's silly and counterproductive um, to have these categorical separations. It just makes everyone feel bad and it makes people needlessly at each other's throats. Um, so anyway, again, I think this is a good compromise for right now, but I don't think that it is a long-term solution to this problem. Um, that, you know, I'm kind of wondering, you know, obviously this conversation, like you just said, is not over and we will be talking about this as a commission in the future and going to Bruce's comment in the beginning about um, when he called in about, you know, letting the sending the information out and like including more people in the conversation is the goal or is your goal? Like, would you like to pass this now? And then like, really, really dive deep into this in the coming months? I mean, here's my thing. I feel like we've already given people a lot of opportunities to participate. I've had this conversation with multiple people. We've had artisans talking to people. All of the minutes and the videos for our meetings are readily available online. Um, you know, I don't know what good it will be to wait further other than just making the artisans feel like we did something for them and then revoked it or that it's somehow unstable. Um, because again, you know, what impact is it going to have on other people? No one's getting stalls taken away. This is change, changes nothing. It only allows people to finally not be as demoralized. If the whole question was about morale, we have people that are literally demoralized because of how they've been treated as second-class citizens at this market for decades. And we have an opportunity to change it. I don't think waiting to get more input from people that have already provided it um, really would help. And I, you know, I try to communicate as much as I can in emails. I send three emails out per week where I give a ton of information. You know, a lot of people do read it, but a lot of people don't. So I think the other problem then becomes communication as a whole, but what does it really, I don't know, what does it really change? Are we going to say no? We're going to go back on this thing that we told the artisans that they could have? Like, what's the point of that? I guess one question is kind of going back to Bruce's comment though, too, is that have the, have the has the market seen this, this the, the written draft? Because I only saw the written draft 24 hours ago. I mean, you know, anyone can ask us at any point about this. All of the minutes are in online. All of this has been written in the minutes. You know, I talked about all of these things. Maybe it's not the specific number, but we talked about this over and over again. You know, but I guess and I, 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 yes, I agree. Maybe, you know, we could have been more communicative. 
But again, we've been incredibly short-staffed with Alex being gone. It's been high season. We've been having all sorts of things going on. I'm, I've been very overextended being down one person. But again, this is something that I've heard from many vendors on. We've talked about this in detail. So I just don't know. I mean, and again, I'm not trying to say people shouldn't be able to talk and voice their opinion because they can, but people can also come to me directly and we can have this conversation. It doesn't need to be in a public forum. It doesn't need to be, you know, via email. And I guess really, I just would rather it just be completed. I don't, you know, like we've other, we have other things. This is, this has been at least resolved to a compromise point at which then if we want to get more people involved in the broader conversation, I think then we can go there. Whereas this was something that happened to have happened, needed to happen quickly because of the time frame of the move up, right? That we had an opportunity to fix this problem and we took it. You know, but as I said, as we all said, this is not a the conversation is not over. Um, and it's going to go into, you know, the next, next phase, um, most likely next year after we sort out some of this producer only stuff. So I hear what you're saying too, about, I mean, it's, there's been a lot on your plate and getting that has been a lot. And I really do appreciate that too, because that's, it's been a lot to navigate through that. And I think that's why last time too, I was pushing for having before we voted on and actually having something written. Cause I've heard too this time that there's has with even on this committee, some misunderstanding of exactly whether it was increased capping the number of artisans or capping the number of things. And they're both kind of in the noise in terms of how functionally they change things out. But they're despite the conversations, even in my head, there was ambiguity. And so that's the beauty of writing it out. So then there's no ambiguity. But the other part of that is then sharing that widely too so that i know again it's the same kind of thing for just kind of procedural justice kind of okay here's this is what the text is and that everybody knows what the text is and if everyone's seen it then there's a chance to discuss um and have comments on it so i think that's i would feel comfortable with it at that point and i agree with what you're saying in terms of i think that it's not an ideal solution. We haven't found an ideal solution for this. Um, and there are a lot of, it's a stopgap and there are a lot of different stopgaps in there. So we can operate those in different ways. Um, but I think that at least from my perspective, I think I would feel, I'm, although I, I hate to delay things, I would feel more comfortable if it were uh, that the text was actually circulated throughout the market to the vendors also, so that they could say that they could have a chance to review it and comment on it. Um, at least so we could hear their comments on the specific text that is being proposed and accepted, that that would make me feel more comfortable. Jeff and Stephanie, can you guys uh, chime in for that? Because you're the ones that are going to have to hear from the vendors. Jeff, we're loving seeing your kids. <laughs> um, sorry about that. Twin vision. Um, <laughs> so I, I've been listening, but just what do you want me to comment on? So the question is, do you think the language which specifies the number of stalls, um, it just changes the number of stalls, should that go to the vendors 
um, as Bruce was commenting on at the beginning of the meeting, or are you and Stephanie okay with us going through with a vote now um, with the language now that we have seen it as a commission? Well, how how would that work? Would it, that typically something that's done, or how how would that work? There'd have to be like a survey. Is that what you're saying, or? I, I think we have already gone through that process of of getting some feedback. I guess it's just so there everybody knows and there won't be any surprises. Um, we can go ahead and vote on it now, um, or we can send it out to the vendors and then vote on it next weekend because that would give them an opportunity to come to the meeting and make comment. There has been time for that, but um, seeing the actual language. Um, yeah, it's been I don't, helpful. I don't I don't think I don't think it's gonna change anything, but if that puts everyone's mind at ease more, then um I'm not opposed to that, but it's not gonna change I don't think it's gonna change mine or Stephanie's vote. Um is it gonna make it your job easier though, talking to the vendors? <laughs> Go ahead, Stephanie. Uh, you're, you're, you're putting me on the spot here, and then I'll let <laughs> Stephanie answer. Um, it, it would it would ease up a little bit, I think, but I, I ease put take a little pressure off of us. But um, I don't know that it's necessary. But if it makes if it makes everyone feel better, then I don't see a problem with it. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with Jeff. I think that as far as the committee goes, we've talked about this enough in depth that we all are of the mindset that this is the right way to go right now. Um, however, um, I mean, the lucky thing is waiting another month and then voting on it, like the artisans that need those second stalls have gotten what they need now for now. Um, so like it doesn't seem like it would hurt if we did feel like it was better procedurally to send it out to everyone I think the concern would be there would be a ton of feedback and like are we going to change like Stephanie was saying are we going to change our minds um, based on the feedback um, probably not um, but yeah I think it makes I guess it would probably make the most sense just as a procedure I agree with Jeff does this is like let everyone know that this is what we're voting on this is what we think and then really vote on it next meeting but not like prolong it longer than that you know I think part of the frustration is we have been talking about it so long so um, you know we kind of want to get it done but um I mean yeah I don't see that it would hurt because the other thing in terms of timeline would just be remember, like, whatever we recommend, then it has to go to the city attorney to have them check over the language. Then we have to send it to city council. Then they have to vote on it before we're even able to put any of this stuff through. So we're probably talking like minimum three months um, to even get that um through it. I mean, is that going to be impacting when people are resubmitting their applications for next year? I don't know. Um, but that's just well, something I, to keep in mind, the broader timeline. 
I don't think it, it doesn't seem like it would really impact anything until the next stall move up, would it? Like, I think that since the, the stalls have been assigned to the artisans that really wanted them, that we are, that it'd be okay, right? I mean, I'm not sure, like it might have an impact on whether or not someone wants to get a second stall again or pay for a second stall again um because with the deadline of june 30th but I'm not sure but it seems like we'd be well through that by june 30th i think mean, if we're talking if it's three months you're saying then we're got that's just a guesstimate i mean i it takes a really long time for the city attorney to even assess anything sure. let alone you know council has got a really really filled uh, agenda always so you know we might also be tabled there for multiple weeks but on the flip side though whatever. we're about to go into holidays so nobody's doing all that much anyways so eric i see you have unmuted did you want to add anything uh <laughs> i don't know it's it, it it seems like i mean it sounds like there's people uncomfortable i guess i'd preface it that way so if i if there are people who are uncomfortable with the situation i understand not wanting to vote at the same time i feel like the work has been done and it seems like the decisions have been made here. So I, I don't know if I, I would, I would be delighted to vote tonight, but I can understand why some folks don't want to, I guess. So another thing that I would say, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. If you weren't done, go ahead and finish. Um, I was just going to say that historically our December meeting has been like non-existent or it seems like we always canceled that one because it was Christmas time. Um, I would say if we do table it for now, that we just make sure that we do have a, a meeting uh, next month, even if the only primary cause of it is to get the vote done, just to make sure that we do get it done. I agree. I agree too. I, I guess my one question is what, what is our level of like due diligence with this work? Like, do we feel like we've reached that bar or not reached that bar in terms of informing? those who need to be informed and those who need to give input. Like it's, it sounds like we have, but it sounds like people are still uncomfortable with that. So I guess that's my, I, for me, I think the only thing is just circulating the text of the change to the, to everyone so that everyone has that and it's, they've had the chance to review it and that they have an opportunity to comment on them in, in this forum. And that that's, that's the one thing that I, you know, that it, it's a key one, but that, cause it actually does show what the, the text change will be not just the concept, but the the concrete change, and that's that's the part that I don't that hasn't been done at least as far as I know. And so we, the idea has been discussed. The minutes there's a lot of discussion, um, but I think that that textual part is the the key part for me. Yeah, I mean it was also discussed even during the stall move up, explaining you know that artisans were getting um their thing so i think for me if it makes people feel more comfortable great but i don't want to postpone months upon months if it's going to be for like two people i just think that's also not fair to the artisans to make them have an additional feeling of insecurity after they were under the impression that this was already um settled at least for now so i think it's just um you know in your email stephanie saying We've been discussing this for a long time. See the minutes. Here's the wording. 
send that out to the vendors just so everybody knows. And then we will um, vote on it next meeting um, is, is what I'm hearing. And um, it's, 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 this is, this is the, the way we're going to do it, but it's just so that everybody can see the wording. So there also are no surprises for, for anybody. I just, I mean, I hear you, but I don't know what possible surprise there could be. Anyone who's interested in PMAG stuff seeks me out, seeks out their representatives. Um, the artists have, artists have been talking to everyone. I mean, you know, like the word travels very, very fast at market, much faster than <laughs> an email it would seem at some times. Um, so I understand. I just don't want to get bogged down in a perception that somehow people are misinformed when I don't think that's true. Um, but again, if that's what people want to go for, fine, you know, whatever. Um, but I just wanted to reiterate that I don't, there's no, nothing's going to change. Um, even, and again, what if people are really up in arms about it? What's going to change? I mean, that's already what we've told the artisans um, they can do because of the move up, right? So in essence, we're already at that number 18, right? And in essence too, like it, it helps protect market staff to point to something and say like, we are going based off of this that's already been vetted for months upon months upon months um, by this committee. So, and you know, if you think that six uh, numbers will change that, I guess so be it. Okay, yeah. So then I, I guess I would feel more comfortable than if we waited till next time for doing the voting and circulating that through. Um, but I think, think let's do that. We need to, to move on. So Stephanie, just send out an email saying, um, We've been talking about this at PMAC. Here's the language. We're going to vote on it next time and, and solidify it. And also let the vendors know that we have um, uh, changed the seniority rules, um, that, that that already has been voted on and approved unanimously. That everyone already knows all that stuff. I'm very, very communicative in the emails. And I think maybe that's why people no longer read them, um, because it has all sorts of information in them. Um, so that's the other aspect. I just, it just makes it an and, official record. And I think that's, that's where but there are official records. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's already been clearly stated multiple okay. times on video. Um, yeah. In addition. And I just, again, and I, I, I want to also acknowledge that it's 701 and yeah. I haven't eaten dinner yet. So, <laughs> um, like to get through the rest of the agenda. So, um, Let's uh, move on to new business, uh, not a non-agenda item. Um, and so I have uh, something that I'd like to say here, but I'd want to give uh, anybody else any other new business stuff that they'd like to, to add. All right. So the one thing that I wanted to talk about is that Peter a while ago had um uh, suggested that we review the bylaws for PMAT. And I think the most effective way to do this is using the model that you all put together, that we've been talking about for um, the producer only and to create a sort of just special committee on that to do the review, 
uh, come and then come to the PMAC with recommendations on uh, uh, do, redoing those, the bylaws or any other changes that, that we'd want. So I would like to propose that we put together a special committee to just review the bylaws. I'm happy to be on that committee. Um, would like to see if there are any other volunteers. Uh, Peter uh, also yeah, I'd be on there. that. Um, and then I I don't know if we need a market staff person on there. I don't think we do. Um, is there anybody else that would, would like to do this? Eric, I was wondering if you wanted to just, this should be pretty quick and easy. We can probably do most of it over Zoom. You've had experience thinking about strategic planning and things like that. Absolutely, sure. Great. Okay. All right. Um, I think we voted on this last time, so let's just um, say that that um, I'd like a motion to approve creating a second committee to review the bylaws for PMAC. Um, motion to approve. Great, and could I have a second for that? Great, second. thank you, Eric. I'll second um, it. Great, thank you. <laughs> um, all in favor, say aye or raise aye. your hand. Aye. Great. Thank you very much. Um, and then Stephanie, I would like to put on our agenda for the, the December meeting to um, revisit how we're going to do the process to keep the discussion going about winterizing the market structure, things like that. I would really love it if um, Josh, and I can't remember the landscape architect that's that came to previous meetings, if they could come to the January meeting to just up us on what the process is and really to to get moving on this project while we have the time during the winter. It's Hillary. Um, and Hillary, there actually is you. a new person that has Josh's job that has not started yet. Okay. Um, so that's in process. So I'm not sure if he would be available um, as in past years because now he's in charge of all parks. Okay. So um, if, if we could um, pencil that in for the January meeting, I would really love to to um talk about that process because we were told a year and a half ago that there was going to be discussion with the vendors and it hasn't happened so just want to asterisk that that the, the snag has come with potential questions about um fire code yeah and and I guess my question is, and what I'd like to hear is uh, if the vinyl walls that we had an idea about aren't going to work, then let's figure out how to create a plan to move forward on a plan, especially since the city just voted in uh, climate millage. Um, and there's just a lot of money for sustainability uh, initiatives. So. I think though, just another asterisk, like I'm not sure that that's for parks. That might specifically be for a separate department um, that is OSI. So just be aware of that um, as well. It could be a great partnership though. So um, yeah. I'm all just right. not aware of the funding's available is all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I think let's, let's uh, put that on something to discuss on the January meeting. Uh, and I would love it if if somebody from Parks could come to talk about the process. Um, all righty. So I think we're on to our second public comment. 
All right. Is there anyone that would like to give an additional comment? I do see a hand. I'll give me just one second. I will allow you to talk and go ahead and unmute yourself and you have the floor. Hello. Okay. This, yeah. Hey, Bruce. Uh, yes. I, I, can you hear me? Yes. Yep. Go right ahead. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think that uh, there's very good discussion tonight, and I think it brought up the point that I was trying to make that I don't think that, you know, the, the transfer of seniority, uh, I will admit, probably I didn't go to or listen in on last month's meeting because October is just about impossible to do much of anything. And I, there were a number of meetings that transfer of seniority was uh, on the agenda that it never even got to where it was discussed. So I absolutely had no idea what the uh, thing was on transfer of seniority. Uh, I, I admit part of that's my fault. But uh, anyway, uh, the, the, the changes that were made were... I would say uncontroversial. And so uh, the fact that they were passed, uh, I mean, they probably benefited vendors more than anyone would say that they uh, were hurting them. But again, there, the discussion that we just had on the uh, artisans thing, uh, I think that uh, that pointed out what I was was saying that it, these things need to come to us. Uh, uh, yeah, there, there was discussion, but to see the actual wording of what is is going down, I I never seen that. So, uh, and I don't think it's been put out there. So, anyway, uh, I, that's really all I had to say. I, I think that I the fact that you. Uh, tabled that uh, because or didn't take up the, the vote on it uh, because it hasn't been out. I think was probably good. I don't. I agree that basically the changes have been made anyway, so it's probably not going to change. But it just points out that these things need to come to the vendors uh, when there's actual wording. So. And so I guess that is all that I had and uh, good night. Thanks, Bruce. Have a great night. And I'm not seeing anyone else that has a hand raised for public comment. Great. I think we're at an adjournment now. So it is 7.09 and so we will adjourn the meeting. Thank you all for your hard work and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you all. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. We'll see you in Thank December. You. See ya. Good.